This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Huzo. Huzo is an acronym for human sound. Huzo delivers uniquely enhanced human toning sounds through headphones as well as through pads placed on your major acupuncture meridians on your body, which are your wrist and your ankles, thereby introducing a specific modulated frequency that are balancing and harmonizing throughout your body. One session takes about 30 minutes, and during that time, a strange series of tones create a natural resonance in your body that Huzo claims counteracts the harmful EMFs, toxins, and stresses you are exposed to during the day or just normal living, all while balancing the body, leaving you with a clear head, improved health, better sleep, and the feeling of calmness and well-being. You can try one at www.thisishuzo.com slash rebel. Use the code rebel25 to save $25. The folks at Huzo even have a great payment solution for you with terms up to 12 months. Check it out. I highly recommend this machine. It has changed my life. And calmed me out. Thank you and enjoy this episode. I think supplementation, sometimes we need it for relief care, you know, to until we can get our bodies back where they need to be. But I don't think it is something that we should do forever. I think we our, our goal should be to get off of supplementation. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Today, I sit down with Michelle Stanford to discuss her book, Informed Consent, Critical Truths Essential to Your Health and the Health of Future Generations. The quality of food and health are closely linked. Also, what is going on with the healthcare system and why things are the way they are today and what we can do about it. You'll learn more about why that's so during today's interview. Enjoy this episode. Michelle, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach podcast this afternoon. We are going to talk about your amazing book called Informed Consent. But before we dive into your book, who is Michelle Stanford? Uh, what a question. I think at the very core of Michelle is someone who cares very deeply about people and about the health of our country and the people in it. She is someone who, when she goes to the grocery store, it's just very sad when she sees people um, walking around knowing that they're sick, can obviously tell that they're sick, and and their food choices that they're making while they're there. And she just wants to scoop them up and take them home. That's at the core of of who I am. But I um, I love people. I love helping people. I love serving people. I love working in the yard, gardening, growing vegetables, herbs. I love all the all things nature. I think that's kind of just a okay. nutshell. What drove you into this world of uh, functional medicine? 
trying to figure out my own health issues. Um, doctors weren't providing me with any answers and just hit a wall. And yep. it's like, okay, I've got to figure this out on my own. So okay. I just took a deep dive into that. Okay, cool. Um, we can talk about that if you want. Or... Yeah, you went to IIN, which I did mm-hmm. too. Institute mm-hmm. of, what is it? Institute of Integrative Nutrition. I almost forgot what it was stand, stood for. Yeah, yeah. And then you went and followed up with FDN with Reed Davis. Mm-hmm. And then you wrote this amazing book. And... Actually, I wrote the book before our FDN. Oh, really? Yes, I wrote the book right after IIN. I think I had started writing it actually while I was doing IIN. Wow. Um, the book was, I had kind of planned the book even before I went back to, even went back to get my coaching certifications and then my FDN certification. Okay. Um, yeah, the book was published in September of 17. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Mm-hmm. So before we dive into the book today, I want to touch base briefly on COVID-19 and the pandemic that we're currently in. And I fully believe this is a pandemic. I fully believe that there, we should have never shut down a nation for this. I, I agree. I believe that the outcome of shutting down the country for this and scaring the population, the repercussions of this are going to far outweigh the COVID-19 virus itself. I completely 100% agree with that. I mean, if you look at the numbers, they're, it's, it's not even as bad as the flu. And so it's, it's, it's been a concerted effort all along to um, strip us of our freedoms, I believe. Um, I think there's a more sinister plan in place than it's, it's not about the virus. It's just not. They never even actually isolated the virus. Are you familiar with Koch's postulates? Yes. They never. It's a process that epidemiologists go through to identify whether or not a virus or bacteria is actually a pathogen, um, whether it's actually you know deadly. The first step of that is to you know to to isolate it, you know, to find it, to pull it out of the soup of you know whatever it's in, and then they purify it which is a different process than actually isolating it. It's two different processes. And so they have to isolate it, then they have to purify it, which means get rid of all of the other stuff and there's nothing left but the virus or bacteria. And then they take that purified virus, in this case, and put it into a living organism. Um, sometimes it's depending on how you know really uh, virulent they think it is, either in an animal or humans. Um, to see if they contract the, and have the same symptoms, see if it produces the same symptoms that it is alleged to produce. And then they do it a second time after that. They do it another, a, a second time with a different population of people. And only then do they say, okay, we have this, this pathogen that we need to close the world down for. Um, they never did that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, I don't know what they're testing for when they're testing. I don't know. Uh, I think the false positive rate is around eighty percent. I don't. I could be wrong about that, but I, I think no, I. No, it's close to eighty percent. Yeah, um, and so you know, I don't know what they're testing. They never went through that process. It's just a soup of genetic material that they're testing for. Well, you know, everybody's going to test for that, and and, ob- and clearly from the beginning, you know, all these respirators. I mean, uh, ventilators. They've now figured out that's the wrong thing to use. That's killing people. 
because the doctors were just unaware. And you know, that it, it's like, it's just one misstep after another. I could go on. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think the, you know, I catch a lot of hell from people and oh yeah for not wearing a mask. Uh, I have not worn a mask, not one time. I had to put one on the other day to go get a physical at the CVS Minute Clinic. And I had to go buy one for a dollar ninety nine, and I put it on and wear it. You know, I got into the office with the nurse practitioner. I said, "It's the first mask I've ever worn." She goes, "Well, you can take it off." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of layers to this, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of misinformation from the media. There's a lot of misinformation from our government and the CDC, the WHO. But there's a lot of good people out there actually revealing the honest information. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty much the way I lean. I don't, you know, I know, and God bless the nurses and I know, right? That are on the front line and the people that have passed away. I don't, you know, it's sad. But it is, it is sad. And and I don't ever want to take anything away from that. Right. But if you look at the statistics, and I haven't looked at them in the last month or so. But up until the end of like May, um, April or May, the number of deaths, just the overall arching number of deaths for this period, for this year, was less than the number of deaths for the same period last year and the year before and the year before. From flu? From all deaths. All I mean, deaths. just the right. overall death rate, death rate. was right. lower, right. lower than than in previous years for the same time period. So, right. but, you know, is there is there maybe something that we should be concerned about? I'll say yes. Did it warrant shutting down the economy? No. Did it warrant destroying millions of people's lives? No. It, it, we don't shut down the economy for the flu. More people have died from the no. flu. Yeah, I, it's sad and, and there's really, and, and I don't know what normal is going to look like ever, but you know, I, I, it's time to let loose the reins and well, let it be. Well, here, here's the, here's the other, another piece of this that a lot of people just don't realize is that governors, mayors have zero lawmaking authority. Right. So all these orders, all these quote mandates, they're not laws. <laughs> you know, I right. mean, they, they, you know, the legislature makes laws, not our governors. And, and, and for people to just blindly follow and do that, you know, businesses, uh, go open your business. Go open your business. Right. You know, you have legal uh, uh, precedent behind you. And that's the problem because there's a lot of businesses that are closing because of this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people that are hurting and, and small business owners that are hurting, families that are hurting because of the small businesses not being able to fund them, the family. It's it's just a big, giant snowball. Yeah, yep, yep, it is. And as it rolls downhill, it gets bigger and bigger. And I personally don't see an end in sight for that snowball. No, I don't either. It, it's very concerning. It's it's very concerning. And it's going to take a lot more of people like you and me standing up and saying, no, we're not doing this anymore. This is, we're done. Yeah, and then we go to social media and, oh you know, we're getting... You can't, people are getting blocked and and the monitoring of social media has become such a big Uh, net of garbage. Censorship. 
Right. And it's crazy because history is repeating itself. I have oh, said, yeah. oh, that's what, times, exactly what I said. You know, this feels like 1930s Germany. Yep. It is. It, it absolutely is. If you look and, and but that, all that's, that history has been removed, you know, from the history books. Right. They don't teach that in school anymore. But all of the things that are happening right now are, are the exact same things that the Nazi right. Party did prior to, you know, World War II. So, exactly. Silencing the people. Even with face masks, yep. you know, uh, propaganda, the propaganda arm of it, which is the mainstream media at this point, the you know, wanting to defund um, the police, wanting to, uh, I mean, all of it, it's just, it's repeating itself. It's something that in, 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 I pray for every morning because we need to be back as a nation. We need to be back uh, loving people. Mm-hmm. We need to quit the hate. Love wins. And we need to stop. We need to stop the madness. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Anyway, this is a crazy good book. Thank you. You put a lot of research into this book and time. I did. It was very impressive. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You put some old school history in there, some very old school history, which we'll get into, that brings us up to today. So you basically start with your system, your, your, your story. My story. Mm-hmm. And take us through the history of the medical system and the food system. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm curious about, there's a lot of Alice in Wonderland quotes in this book. <laughs> there are a couple. And I, my question is for you is that, is it because of all rabbit holes you went down to write this amazing book? Or are the are there rabbit holes... Something you you were going down when you became ill. Well, I mean, going down the rabbit holes trying to find out what was wrong with me. But as I went down, it was it's more about the truth that I learned as I was on my journey to find, try and figure out, you know, what was wrong with me and how do I fix it. And because I didn't know a, a, a lot of the stuff that's in the book, I didn't know. And I'm like, how have I lived this many years and not know all of this? And so those are the real rabbit holes that I went down as I began to learn the truth um, about our food supply, the truth about our medical system, the truth about the toxins in our environment and all of that. I was just, I was shocked. I I was just shocked. And so it it was for me that writing the book was, as I began to talk to people, you know, as I was learning all these things and and I was like, do you know about this? Have you heard about this? And people are like, no, no, I have no idea. And I realized that, you know, I wasn't the only one um, who didn't know all of this. And so I, that's why that was really the catalyst for the book was to get the information out to more people. Right. Um, and you did a good job with that. Thank you. The very first, the introduction, you start off with a, a, a quote by Lewis Carroll from Alice in Wonderland, which is an amazing book and an amazing story. Mm. You say, forgetting pain is convenient. Remembering it, agonizing, but recovering the truth is worth the suffering. Mm-hmm. This is where you start us down your path. Right. So let's dive in. Tell the listeners about your story, which I'm assuming was the catalyst for writing this book. Right. Well, my story and then you know, the information I discovered along the way is the, the catalyst you know, for writing the book. But I could tell you a little bit about my story. Absolutely. Um, it was, I had been under a tremendous amount of stress. Um, and I won't go into all the details here. It's in the book, but um, it landed me in the hospital. And when they tell you stress can kill you, they're not kidding. 
Um, and then with my doctor, I had an infection essentially in my, in my small intestine, which caused my appendix to become inflamed. And so when they, when they went in to do the operation, that's when they found the infection. You know, they knew that my appendix was inflamed and they found the infection. And Dart's like, oh, well, if you'd been prepped for a bowel operation, we would have just taken that part of your small intestine out. <laughs> I was like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> you better be glad you weren't uh you didn't have you didn't do that because uh i had awakened from surgery with body parts missing that would not have been good for you <laughs> no um, but he was very callous but the the good thing that happened from all from that was that this i had this they called in a gastroenterologist and he was just i, I was very fortunate it was a god thing really he was even old school even back then um and this was in the mid 90s and um he sat with me for an hour in my hospital room and talked to me about my life. And when he got up, he said, uh, stress, stress is, you know, you, you are under a tremendous amount of stress. I had things going on with, in my marriage, it was, you know, and things going on with my, I had a, a, a baby. He was very sick and just, a, just a lot. So kind of a dark time, you know, in my life. And so, um, he, I, I, I after that, I, you know, he, he ran a few tests to rule out some things and, um, that wasn't, you know, he really didn't know what was wrong with me. You know, other than he said stress caused the infection. And I went on about life, you know, but then I started having symptoms again. I, they would be on and off. It would be cyclical, just like my digestive issues. And, and a, a few years later, he wanted to, you know, run some tests, rule things out. And at the time I was, um, I had just gotten divorced and um, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't have any insurance. And so that was a blessing in disguise, really, because. I didn't run all of the tests. And he said, you know, we can run all these tests. I don't think you have any of these things, but we have to do it to rule things out. And so I didn't run the test. And he said, well, you know, what would happen is that you would either probably have to have surgery or you would end up on medication for the rest of your life. And so I didn't do any of that. I'm really glad that I didn't. I think I would be a lot worse off that if I had done those things, I'm, I'm sure I would have been, um, especially if I'd had to have surgery. So, you know, go rocking on, trying to barely manage my symptoms. And then I was teaching um, high school English um, and I had moved back to the, t to the town where I was raised um, because my parents were aging and I wanted to be, you know, near them. And they both had cancer and other, other health issues. And, you know, it was just constant roller coaster, you know, with that. And so, my mom requested that I take a flu shot because I was teaching. She didn't want me to bring the flu home, you know, taking care, trying to, you know, when I was over here, taking care of them and, and that kind of thing. And so I really didn't want to, but I acquiesced and got the flu shot and immediately became sick. And then, I mean, it was like with the flu kind of, you know, the fever, all of that, you know, body aches for like three or four days. Then after that, I just never, it's like I never really recovered, um, but I didn't think much of it. I didn't, uh, I didn't connect the dots at that point. I just was tired all the time, just, just this terrible fatigue. And I thought, well, because I was hypothyroid, which I kind of skipped that part. Before that, in between the, two, the, other, the first scenario, I entered into early perimenopause. Um, I ended up being hypothyroid. Hypo? Hypo. Okay. Got some medication for that. Uh, you know, got to take this the rest of your life. And oh, by the way, yes, you are perimenopause, but you're too young to be perimenopause, but here we are. So, um, and I didn't know then 
you know, what I know now, I wish I did. You know, I probably could have stopped that. Right. At least for a few few more years. But anyway, so that went on for a few years. And anyway, so after I went to see general practitioner here and um, he was, you know, he's like, well, you know, your thyroid numbers look fine, but here, take this medication. It's a little bit higher dose um, just in case. Right. So I did. Well, that just made it worse. I started having AFib symptoms. Mm. I would literally was be standing in front of my class teaching and ha- would have to grab hold of my lectern to keep from falling on the floor. Wow. Um, and I mean, I just was just like, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe and try not to alarm the students. And so this went on for like six months. And I finally, that's when I said, you know what? I have got to fix something's wrong with me. Something is very wrong with me. And so besides my gut issues, which I was still, you know, trying to barely manage now this, okay, something's wrong with me. I've got to figure out what's wrong with me. So that's when I went on this, this deep dive and I started researching and I just happened upon an article. I can't even find it now because I, I didn't save it. And, but it was, you know, symptoms that, you, you know, you've been injured by the flu shot, uh, basically. And that was just check, check, check. I just went down the list, you know, and what I realized, and so it was at that point, I started connecting the dots and it wasn't my thyroid. It was the flu shot um, that had made me so sick. And so a year later, I went back to the doctor for checkup. And of course, because I was on too much thyroid medicine, my numbers were off the charts. And he's like, oh, you, you're on too much. And so he put me on, instead of take, taking me back down to my original dose, he took me down to an even lower dose, which caused my fatigue to just be worse. Um, I mean, I literally, it was hard to even get out of bed, go to school. I would come home from school and just crash every day. It was, it was awful. And, I, and, and during this, during this uh, visit, I said, well, you know, I think the flu shot has made me sick. And he got really angry. And I had started using essential oils at that point too. And I'd used them successfully, you know, to, to, to manage, you know, just, just different things. Um, a little infection that I had and just different things. And he got really angry. Those don't work. And I said, well, you know, if they do work, actually they did <laughs> work. And, um, and the flu shot has made me sick. And I was trying to explain to him about the study that I found. And he got really angry and he literally stood up and walked to the door of the exam room and said, I refuse to treat anyone who believes the things that you do and turned around and walked out. Wow. Yeah. And it just left me sitting there. And I was like, well, okay. But, you know, it was honestly the best thing he could have ever done for me because it was at that point that I knew that conventional medicine was not helping me. And, and I'm not opposed to conventional medicine. Um, you know, we, we, if I'm ever in an accident, please take me to the hospital, you know. And we've done a great with trauma, you know, and emergency care and those kinds of things and needed surgeries and all of that. But when it comes to, you know, managing health and managing chronic symptoms and diseases, we have failed. They have failed miserably. But it led that, but it further led me into, uh, you know, sort of seeing a naturopathic doctor and she diagnosed me with um, HPA axis dysfunction, which is the, the correct term for what we call adrenal fatigue. It's not really adrenal fatigue. It's, it's the feedback loop gets stuck between the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and the adrenals. And then we've just called it adrenal fatigue, but that's really a misnomer of a name. Also, it wasn't just hypothyroid. I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which mm. is an autoimmune condition. And, um, and then plus my, you know, my gut issues, I was still <laughs> 20 years later, you know, still dealing with. And so, but it was, it was a good thing that happened. And, 
and 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 I was also at this point I was still continuing to read. I'm a voracious reader, researcher, learner. I mean, I, that's just one of my strengths. Is um, I love learning, and I'm constantly reading and learning about everything. Now, especially about health, um, and so I'm, I'm, I, that never ends for me. And when I was writing the book, you know, I had so much research, and it was like there was just no way to include all of it. There was just no way, you know, as so I had to pick and choose what would actually go into the book because there, there was just so much. But that's that's kind of how I got here, and then at, I tell my story only just to share my own piece of my journey. But the book really isn't about me. You know, the book is about what's wrong with our food, how we got here, you know, and and how we can become healthy, how we can take back control. And I think that's one of the big messages that I try to get across, you know, to people is that you have the power, you know, to take control of your health. You don't have to depend on your doctor. You don't have to depend on, I mean, yeah, we need them for some things, but you, you know, have the power to be healthy. So that was that was kind of my journey to rebellion <laughs> <laughs> and freedom. Um, uh, yeah, I get that. I mean, mm-hmm. I firmly believe that God made or created our bodies with an amazing system that it's actually designed beautifully and given the right environment will heal mm-hmm. itself. Absolutely, I agree. And yeah. unfortunately, the cards are a little stacked against us because, as we're going to discuss here next, is you know our society, our food system, uh, stress is a number of huge stress. Uh, mm-hmm. People do not realize how much stress plays a factor in our sickness and illness. Mm-hmm. And I think the statistics say that eighty-nine, I think it's eighty-nine percent of all doctors' visits are stress-related. Wow. I didn't realize that statistic, but I believe it. And the other thing is, is that we ha- we live in a very toxic environment. Mm-hmm. We have toxins coming from every which way, including toxic people. Mm. We have toxins in our air. We have toxins in our bo- that we put on our bodies. We eat out of toxic things. We cook with toxic things. We drink toxic water. Yes. Uh, and really... I mean, we really, really got to be make a conscious effort to not put these toxins in your body and find out the best way to eliminate using them. Right. It's it's a process, and you know, for some people, like for me, when I began learning all this information, um, because I live alone now, you know, um, it was easy for me to just go, you know, what, a hundred and eighty degree turn. I eliminated everything immediately. I just did a 180 degree turn. Not everyone can do that. Not everyone wants to do that, you know, but I make, I always tell, you know, my clients to make a wish list of what things you want to change and put it on your refrigerator, you know, whether it be get rid of plastics, get rid of aluminum foil, get rid of, you know, whatever it is or add in, you know, whatever it is and then do one thing a week or one thing every other week or one thing a month, whatever works for you, but make a list of, of the things that you want to change and need to change or add into your life. Um, kind of crowd out, you know, add stuff in, crowd out the bad stuff. Right. Um, that, that can be kind of helpful because it's kind of like a goal setting, you know, and, and it's where you can see it on your refrigerator, on bulletin board, wherever. Um, and then just check things off as you do them. And then you, you can see how much you're accomplishing too, also. 
I mean, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a lot. It's, yeah, it's a lot. And I talk like uh, Teflon, mm-hmm. you know. There's deodorants, but anyway, we can go on and on about that subject. Now, in the next chapter, you discuss a little red pill quote, and I'm not going to read this quote, but it's a, it's another great quote by Alice in, Wonder- Alice in Wonderland and uh, the Matrix. The Matrix, right? What I find interesting in your book is about the things that we are learning about nutrition or supposed to be learning about nutrition now with the studies, a lot of information that's truly coming out as we was actually came up by a dentist, Winston A. Price. Weston A. Price. Weston A. Price, right. Mm-hmm. I just ordered his book, actually. Oh, it's a tome. It's awesome. Okay, it's I can't wait. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw it was huge. I'm like, oh, no. Tom, I got another big book to read. But uh, I mean, can you tell us about this Weston A. Price, mm-hmm. Dr. Weston A. Price a little bit? And yep. Um, why why yep. did a dentist go start exploring this? Okay. He, um, what he began to see, like in the 20s, in the 1920s, um, he began to see an, a lot of people come in with cavities. He called them caries, dental caries. He, he began to see just this tremendous increase in the amount of cavities that people had. And he wanted to know why. You know, he wasn't just a dentist. You know, he was a humanitarian. He was a scientist and a researcher. You know, he saw this conundrum and he's like, what in the world is going on? Why all of a sudden, you know, are people coming in with so many cavities? And so he spent 10 years, or let's just say over a around about a 10-year period, he would take trips to different parts of the world and visit indigenous peoples. Um, you know, he went to uh, remote villages in Switzerland and islands off the coast of Scotland. And he went to the Eskimos in, in Alaska and the Native American tribes. And he went to islands in the South Seas. He went to Peru. He went to tribes in um, New Zealand, the Aboriginals in Australia. And all of these the, th- the, uh, the things that they all had in common was that they were isolated from the, quote, modern culture at the time. And they only ate foods that they hunted, gathered, grew. Um, they did not eat any Western industrialized foods whatsoever. And um, so, I mean, he didn't go, he wasn't gone from his practice for 10 years, but he would take months and go and visit. He would take his camera with him, you know, the modern invention he had at the time. And the book is full of those picture, of pictures that he took. Of, of, and what he found when he went to these, to these isolated people groups is that they had perfect vision. They had perfect teeth. They had, their arches were, were perfectly formed. They had no diseases. Uh, they were in perfect health. And they weren't going to the dentist, right? You know, there, there were no dentists. They had no cavities. And he was like, okay, why? Why? Wow, this is incredible. And so what he determined was that they weren't eating industrialized. This is in the advent of, you know, right after the, you know, the industrialization, the industrial revolution happened, um, you know, just a few years after. And food was beginning to be mass produced. Flour, Crisco, you know, all these horrible industrialized foods had burst on the scene around the world. But these people were not partaking of any of that. They only ate what they grew and, 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 and hunted locally. And they were in perfect health. And one of the things that um, 
just really stood out to me was that, and this is so relevant to today, it says, as he studied you know, in America, he noticed that not only were, you know, there was a lot of physical degeneration happening along with the cavities that people were becoming more sick and all of that. Um, but he also noticed that, you know, the incidence of behavioral issues were beginning to rise, um, delinquency, you know, all those kinds of things. And so his quote um, from his book is that, it says, after one has lived, this is Dr. Dr. Price, after one has lived among the primitive racial stock in different parts of the world and studied them in their isolation, few impressions can be more vivid than that of the absence of prison, prisons and asylums. Few, if any of the problems which confront modern civilization are more serious and disturbing than the progressive increase in the percentage of individuals with unsocial traits and a lack of responsibility. Well, yeah, this, this, he wrote this in you know, 1939. I think this book was published in 1939. And how much more appropriate, I mean, is, is that relevant today? And so, so these people were, were healthy physically, they were healthy emotionally, they were healthy mentally. That's crazy. You know, his determination was that it's it's our food supply is making us sick. It's causing degeneration. He gives the example of, and, and, and the things he noticed when some of these, and he would go back and visit some of these tribes later. You know, um, he didn't just go there one time. He would go back. And he noticed that um, there was one family and the lady, the mom had, had, had a baby. Um, she had been eating industrialized foods. She was in labor for 53 hours. (laughs) And uh, she had a really hard time recovering from this. The child was was weak and anxious and all those things. Well, then she adopted after this, the birth of her first child, she adopted, you know, she went back to eating her indigenous local foods. And when she got pregnant again with her second child, four years later, she was in labor for three hours. And within just a couple of days, she was back to normal and the, the child was completely healthy. So it just really speaks to the power of nutrition, the power of, and, and, and one thing he really um, stressed a lot was that their foods were nutrient dense. Um, okay. And it's one thing he was noticing, you know, here in the States with the, with the, with the advent of the monoculture farming, um, the industrial farms, the big farms, um, where you know they grow one crop all of the time, um, the the, the new because he would test, he would bring things back to his lab and test them for um, for nutrient content, and he would measure the nutrients and see what nutrients were in it, and and all of those kinds of things. So he, I mean, he literally was doing lab lab work too with all of this, and um, so he determined that you know their foods were full of nutrients, and the foods here, you know, we had begun to spray with. You know herbicides and pesticides, and they weren't they weren't doing the rotating or any kind of you know what we know as sustainable you know type of farming. Um, and and the, with every passing year, as the soil is depleted, so is the nutrients in the food. Yep. Um, and so you know he's, he's you know disease is not so much a genetic thing as it is a nutrient deficiency. Right, right, right. Problem. And yeah, that's a. It's an interesting point because, you know, I get a lot of people say, well, it's genetic. It's not. It runs in my family. It runs in my genes. Well, there's some truth to that. A little. 5% genetic. Right. 95% epigenetic. Right. Right. And the thing is, is it's like a gun. I like to explain like a gun. A gun has a bullet in it. 
as long as nobody pulls that dr- trigger, that gun's that bullet's going to stay in the gun, unless of course you drop it or throw it or whatever. But <laughs> something's got to trigger the bullet to come out, right? And that's kind of like the gen- genetics. Mm-hmm. You know, we need something to pull the trigger to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And usually, unfortunately, it's our food system or the way we live or the toxins in our environment that pulls that trigger. Exactly. And I I did a genetic test on myself and found that I had a genetic disposition for hearing loss. Now, my trigger happened to be the front row at a Metallica concert that pulled the trigger <laughs> on that. So I have bad hearing. I worked I worked in the for bands and did a lot of Get, went to a lot of concerts in my time and never wore earplugs. So my hearing is not great. Mm-hmm. And I get picked on a lot because of it, but that's okay. Yeah, so the, the, you have to have something that pulls that trigger to make that happen. Mm-hmm. The point I'm getting to is, and this is something I noticed when we first went into this pandemic or COVID-19, mm-hmm. is that when I went to the grocery store, Mm-hmm. I was appalled at what was left on the shelves yep. because all that was left on the shelves after a few days of this was real, real food. Real food. Yep. I noticed that too. And as I read in your book, as I was reading your book, and this is what sparked me to call you and let's do this podcast because your book is an eye opener. And it's because of things like this. You broke, you did a very good detailed breakdown. And what is in a cheese it? <laughs> Can you walk us through that part and walk us through? I mean, because it's so true that our, mm-hmm. the industrialized food that we eat today or that we think is food is not really food at all. Mm-mm. So, can you walk us through the cheese, cheese it analogy? You, want me to walk you, you really want me to walk you to the cheese it? Okay. <laughs> I get a lot of comments about that. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is great. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I just went to the back, of the, you know, looked at the ingredients and then, you know, I just broke all of them down as to what they were as far as there. This is not real food. You know, they take the flour, they strip everything that's good from it, you know, and, and then add it back in. It's synthetic form, which our body can't assimilate anyway. Right. And, and two, when they strip everything from the flour, then it's, there's nothing, they take away the fiber and, and all of the things that prevent that prevent blood sugar spikes, you know that, uh, and so so there's that you know piece of it as well. Um, the milk and the the milk is well. First of all, the flour is also you know it's genetically modified. It's actually chemically modified. It's not a it's not a GMO. It's a more of a chemical mutagenesis, which is just as bad. But um, and then the 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 vegetable oil that's in. And this is the same oil that is on the shelves, you know, canola oil, corn oil, vegetable oil, whatever you want to call it. It is, it's not really a vegetable oil at all. It's a seed oil. And the process of creating that oil is absolutely horrendous. Um, they take it and because you can't get oil from a seed, you know, you have to, they have to use high temperature and a lot of pressure to get the oil out of the seed. And then once it once they get that oil out of the seed, it's just this black, gunky, yucky stuff that you would never ever eat. 
<laughs> and uh, I mean, it, it, you just wouldn't. Um, and the seeds too, soybean is, is, is another genetically modified seed and we'll get to that. And then in order to, for it not to be yunky and gross, they bleach it. Well, they use hexane first as part of the, the temperature and the chemical process to actually get the oil out of the seed. And hexane is monitored by the Environmental Protection Agency. It's, it's a neurotoxin. It's a horrible thing in our environment. And so there's that residue on there. And then they, they have to degunk the, the gunky mess. And so they do that with bleach, um, which also you know leaves its residue on there. And so then... So, I mean, if, if there's one thing you want to do right now to, to change your health, stop using industrial seed oils. Right. Stop with the Crisco, stop with the canola oil and the vegetable oil. It is like the worst thing. It's, it's just free radicals. It's the worst thing. It's just like, just if you're going to only do one thing, don't use that. Well, let's um, stop. Hold on right there for a minute. Okay. Okay. Because I don't want this book. I don't want this podcast to be all doomsday because we're we've already got no, enough no, doom. We've yeah. already got enough doom I going know, on this year. So, what kind of oils would you recommend mm-hmm. to somebody out there that doesn't know? Honestly, <laughs> we need animal fats and fats from like if you're going to fry something or you know, which I don't recommend doing a lot of, but occasionally, you know, it's right. you want to fry something or, or you know you need to stir fry something. Coconut oil, you want something that can withstand high heat and it's not going to form free radicals. And that's not olive oil, by the way. Olive oil should never be heated. It's you know, maybe gently warmed, but that's it because it, it, it denatures it and causes free radicals. Coconut oil, but honestly, if you can find and source pork that is you know, free range, uh, pastured, not given, you know, antibiotics and all the nasty stuff. You know, bacon grease and hair live in the South. I'm sorry, but, <laughs> you know, bacon grease is an, a wonderful, you know, or, or pork lard is a wonderful um, frying oil. Duck fat is good also for that. You know, if you, if you want to cook on the heat with something, right. those are what I recommend. Um, not everybody likes the, the taste of, of coconut oil, but it's, if you don't, have the other than a good extra virgin coconut oil can withstand high heat. Um, and it's a good oil as an option to fry okay. in. But, um, but we need the animal fats. Dr. Price talked a lot about that too. We have to have the, the fat-soluble vitamins, the, the fat to absorb the fat-soluble vitamins like A, D, and vitamin K. He talked a lot about that. So you want to incorporate that. You know, that's one way of incorporating some animal fats into your diet as well. There, there are alternatives. I mean, there, right. you know, there really are. Um, but you got to know the truth about what's really out there. So you, that was me. When I found, when I learned a lot of this information, there was like, there's no way I'm putting that in my body anymore. No way. I'm not doing it. You know, when I, when I learned all of this truth, and, and that's one reason why the first half of the book is about, okay, this is what's really going on with our food supply. Do you really want to put this in your body? Right. You know, now you're informed and you, you get to choose. You know what you want to do. So, I mean, the cheese example is a, a perfect example. Uh huh. Because this thing is just there's as, nothing as in it wonderful as they are to eat, <laughs> and as good as they taste, mm-hmm. they are just. Well, here's, right. here's the thing too with that. Once you switch, once you start eating, you know, real foods. Once you start incorporating, you know, and you're not eating. Processed foods, packaged right. foods. When I mean, you're eating fruits and vegetables 
and you know good sources of meats and those are your ingredients in your foods and your dishes after a couple three weeks maybe a month your palate will change oh, absolutely. Your palate will begin to love those foods. And then when you eat a cheese, it it's going to go, oh, I mean, it's like cardboard. Ask me how I know. <laughs> um, and you'll not want it anymore. Um, you know, it, you do change um, in a good way. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you frustrated with understanding your recent lab work? Does your primary care physician say your labs are normal, but you still feel sick? Yeah, I've been there. I know that feeling. In my approach, when working with clients, my only concern is to achieve optimum results for you. I truly believe in a test, don't guess philosophy and getting to the root cause of dysfunction in the body, which is why I created this free lab tracker report so that you can fully understand your lab results and start to feel exceptional again. To get my free lab tracker report, text REBEL to 66866. When you download my free lab tracker, you will finally understand how to decipher your optimal ranges for your lab work, why you aren't feeling well, even though your lab work is normal, which lab results actually matter. The truth about this will actually shock you. No more wondering what all those numbers actually mean. My free lab tracker helps you understand the results of your lab evaluations so that you can take action toward better health starting today. It will be a relief when you get it and no longer have to wonder what all those numbers actually mean. So, download my free lab tracker right now and take the first step to optimal health. Text REBEL to 66866. Again, that's REBEL to 66866. Enjoy the rest of the show. I preach to my clients or past clients or anybody that asked, you know, shop the perimeter of the store because uh-huh. that's where they're going to find the regular or real food. Mm-hmm. But even that, yes, these days, or more of that is industrialized farming also. Yes. So not to add any more doom. Yeah, we need to talk about that. Mm -hmm. You know, let's talk about the vegetable department. I mean, because look at the, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but let's go through the vegetables and meat and the dairy, especially because dairies, the things that you put in your body from cows. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially dairy. I mean, you know, I remember when, you know, like I drink a lot of milk because it's, milk makes you go strong, big and strong. Well, come on now. Mm-hmm. So okay. let's go start with the vegetables. Okay. Go to ewg.org, environmentalworkinggroup.org, yep. and download or write down the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. The Dirty Dozen are those fruits and vegetables that have the most pesticide, herbicide, insecticide residue of all vegetables and fruits. If you if you don't do if you don't buy anything organic, at least buy those 12 things organic. Right. Well I and, think it's 14 you know, now, isn't it? I think it's just 12 and then the, the dirty dozen and then the clean 15. 
Yeah. And the clean 15 are the ones that, that found had the least amount of, you know, residue on it. You know, and then those you can buy conventionally. The thing with conventional farms is that they, they farm like these huge baths. They never rotate. They're, you know, they do still spray. And so the soils are depleted and they don't have as many nutrients as something that's grown in really rich, mineral rich soils. So organic really is, if you're looking for nutrient density, you know, the most punch, you know, you're, you're going to want to go with organic. But if you, if you can't afford to buy everything organic, at least get what's on the Dirty Dozen list organic and, you know, do the best you can for as long as you can, you know, and that's what I say, make small incremental changes along the meats. There's a better selection now than there once was, but you confined animal feeding operations or concentrated animal feeding operations, uh, the factory farms, mm. they are sick and dying animals, period. When they get to slaughter, they have been pumped so full of medications to keep them alive, to get them to slaughter. They're, they're mistreated. They're not in their natural environment. They're in cages and they're, talk about stress, the animals are stressed all right. of the time. And so their hormone, you know, their stress hormones are just coursing, you know, throughout their bodies when they're, you know, when they finally get slaughtered. They are sick animals. And I don't, we cannot be a healthy people if we're eating meat from sick animals. Right. And so you, there are some, quote, grass fed options that you can get at the grocery store. It's a better option than the others. At least try that, you know, do that instead of the, the regular, you know, CAFO. Um, animal meat. Um, if you're buying fish, try to buy wild caught because now they're farming the fish too, and they're genetically modified and they're fed. I mean, fish are farmed fish or fed corn. I'm sorry, right. that is not a natural yeah uh, food for fish. So buy try if you can buy you know as fresh as you can. At least wild caught. Same with chickens. Um, this whole you know if it says open uh, free range chicken. That only means that they had access to outside, you know, cage free. That right. just means that they're not in a cage. They're still in these huge chicken houses with maybe a couple of doors on either end, and there's ten thousand chickens in there, and only the ones near the doors are the ones that actually get outside. Seriously, so I mean, the, uh, the, yeah. lab the labels are very misleading, um, and so you have so you know. I really do strongly suggest that you at least buy that kind of stuff as, as organic, you know, as you can. If you're going to drink dairy, then you absolutely must drink raw dairy. Do not. Uh, the conventional dairy is just terrible. It's awful. Right. Um, you know, it's processed, so it's denatured the proteins in it to begin with. It, uh, it's the same with the, the same the beef. You know, it comes from cows that are under a lot of stress. Their 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 babies have been taken from them and. Um, there, there's a lot of infection. They're full of antibiotics and uh, hormones to make them grow faster. And is the conventional milk and dairy, whether that's cheese, yogurt, all of that is just, I avoid it like the plague. I personally drink raw dairy. If you can get raw dairy and source raw dairy, it's, it's a wonderful food. So all these studies that come out about milk, they're based on conventional dairy. They're not based on Raw dairy. I mean, when I go with dairy, I usually go with goat milk. Mm -hmm, goat milk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And usually yeah. go with a uh, from the organic section, mm -hmm. or make sure that it's, 
you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to at least try to do organic. Yeah. Now, I am, I'm not going to lie. I do have a pint of chunky monkey occasionally. We all do the best we can. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. None of us are perfect. <laughs> right. You know, but right. it's like, it was like Father's Day and I got my pint of chunky monkey. And, uh-huh. and But I noticed I can, after I eat the pint of chunky monkey, which I do eat in one sitting, I notice a lot about uh-huh. my body. Uh-huh. I can tell. I can tell by the phlegm that mm-hmm. gets developed. I can tell by the sugar because I the sugar spike happens very rapidly. Mm-hmm. But I can tell, and yeah. you know, I, I I personally I know a lot of people say eighty twenty. I try and stick to ninety ten. Depends on what it is, right? You know, if it's um, if you have autoimmune conditions and you know, uh, you know really bad gut, you know, right. it needs to be a hundred. There is yeah. no eighty twenty. There's no eighty twenty you know, or no uh-uh, ninety ten, uh-uh, right? Uh-uh. But yeah, but generally, you know, um, I mean, we, but the thing is, with real food, you can make amazing foods. You can make amazing desserts. You know that are quote unquote, you know, healthy. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and um, and the thing is, you know, treats. If you look at the history of food, treats. There's a reason why it was called a treat because they didn't consume sweets all of the time. It literally was reserved for special occasions. Right. You know, it wasn't something that they had on a daily basis or even a weekly basis. It was more like just a few times a year. And it, it, it truly was a treat because it was, and it, it, they didn't have the, the you know, sugar wasn't mass produced and, and it truly was a treat. We kind of need to get back to that, you know, or, you know, get more, eating more fruits and things too, to satisfy some of that sweetness. Right. But, sugar is like cocaine. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, you said that in your book, but I've agreed yeah. that forever. I mean, it's addictive and they put it in foods just to make us addicted to them, mm-hmm. to buy them. Right. Well, and, and, and the other things too, like the flour, you know, when they strip everything from it, or car- right. other carbohydrates, you know, it turns to sugar in the body. So, okay, yeah, you're eating potatoes, but well, you know, that potato turns to sugar, <laughs> you know, in the body and X, just like sugar right. you know, in the body. So you just have to be mindful that. I'm not saying never, you can't ever have treats. I like treats. You know, my favorite. No, you have to allow yourself some pleasure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Just make good choices when you do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love ice cream. I make homemade ice cream with. with oh, nice. With raw cream and raw milk and unrefined organic sugar and organic fruits. And, you know, it's, it's kind of healthy. You know, I mean, it's got a little right. bit, you know, it's got some sugar in it. But other than that, you know, it's. You know, it's for a treat, but it's but it has lots of really good nutrition in it. Um, Where do you find the raw milk? Um, I locally actually, well, it might be a little far for you. It's about an hour. Okay. I used I, there was a dairy here locally, but he he closed up, um, and so I have to drive. I drive an hour hmm. one way to get my local to get you know raw dairy, but it's it's not important to me. You know, it's it's a priority for me, and and that's 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 the thing I tell people a lot. You know. It has to become a priority for you. You know, you when your health and your nutrition right. it becomes a priority, then 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 you'll do the things that you need to do. And so, and so I just buy, you know, depending a couple of gallons at a time. And yeah, I think there's, uh, there's a lot of good farmers markets up here mm-hmm, around the uh, mm-hmm. what is a food co-op thing called the C- CSA. CSA. Mm-hmm. That's a good program. That is a good program. So I suggest people search those out. Absolutely. I, I mean, I buy locally all of my meats and vegetables yeah. and my dairy. I mean, everything I buy, I don't, I very rarely buy gro- buy vegetables at the like, grocery store. 
Yeah, it like eggs, man. It's so to see a chicken egg mm-hmm. that's from a oh, a yeah. legitimate mm-hmm. wild chicken. Mm-hmm. The the color of the eggs is so pristine and pretty. When you open it up, it's so it's orange. It's, it's like it's bright so, orange. It's mm-hmm. so amazing. Mm-hmm. Tastes totally yeah. different. It's rich and uh, it's oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, if you can, if you can source locally, that's the number one thing you should be trying to do. You know, you're supporting your local farmers um, who care about the quality of the, the food that they're producing. You're doing something good for your body. You're right. helping the local environment, the local I economy. Mean, yep. Yeah, and luckily we have things like sprouts popping up. Mm-hmm. Trader Joe's, you still got to do your hunting at Trader Joe's. Whole Foods or Whole Paycheck, as a lot of people call it. I think Amazon kind of bought them over. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, there the places are out there to find real food. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of restaurants, unfortunately, with the, this pandemic and corona or COVID, you know, the restaurants are struggling. But support your restaurants that make real food. Exactly. So I want to dive into, we talked about real food and that, you know, everybody pretty much knows where they know or they are aware of the food they shouldn't eat, shouldn't eat. But, you know, it's, it's a decision. To, it's a decision you have to make. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. But if you want to keep the genes turned off, it's it's 100%. It's a must. Right. Let's dive into our friends at Monsanto. Mm. Now. <laughs> They've been bought out by bear. Yeah. And my bear as well. I mean, they are evil. Yep. Ezekiel is Bill Gates mm-hmm. and Dr. Fossey <laughs> and the Who. Yes, it's not just about the Roundup anymore. Roundup and glyphosate are a huge issue. It's in everything. It's in the air. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. We've got to dive into the seed thing, okay? Uh-huh. Because it's not like you can go and buy real seeds anymore. Right, you have to. There are there are several companies where you can you know buy heirloom seeds, but for millennia, you know I mean seeds were protected, you know they were sacred, and so um, and and maybe neighbors and farmers traded seeds with one another, but they saved seeds every year. You know it was the difference between starvation and eating. And so it was the seed supply was protected. It was it was like gold. And then, you know, of course the government got involved and it's been well established around the world for a very long time that you cannot patent nature and seeds are part of nature. Um, and then the government decided that they were going to issue some patents for what they called asexual seeds which don't reproduce so that could be patented and then that turned into Pandora's box of how they got the Roundup because Roundup is made from a bacterium actually it's a bacteria but what they've done with you know a lot of people argue that genetically modified seeds are nothing more than hybridization well that's not really true Um, their hybridization is when you take one tomato plant and you crossbreed it with another tomato plant to to create a plant that's maybe drought resistant or you know drought tolerant or this bug resistant or you know just for a specific region. Um, and so you're genetically modifying quote those seeds, but you're creating a a, a 
a new type of plant within a species. And so what they do with, with GMOs, and, and there's a difference between genetically modified and genetically engineered. And even though across the board, they're referred to as GMOs, but what they actually are, that are genetically engineered seeds. And so they take a bacteria or a virus, and the Roundup, the, what they call the Roundup Ready seeds, means that they they take this bacteria and they literally splice it kind of into the DNA of a plant. So they've they've crossed that natural boundary that was put in place by the creator, <laughs> and and they've they've introduced this bacteria into the seed. And before they do that, they spray the seeds with. They have to know which ones. How did it t- did it take? You know, they put them in a big dish, basically a petri dish, and basically kind of like shoot a gun and just shoot the bacteria in there. So that to know which seeds actually, you know, were impregnated, I guess, with the the bacteria, they have to mark them with antibiotic. So not only do the seeds have bacteria in them um, or other other things, <clears throat> they also now are anti- they also have antibiotics on them. So that's another reason why we have such a huge problem with antibiotic resistant hmm. bugs now, because this, the genetically modified seeds, the genetically engineered seeds, are also antibiotic resistant seeds, and so you know, they're sprayed with antibiotics. So we're consuming that, and so there's two different types of genetically engineered seeds, and one is called herbicide tolerant seeds, and that's where they are spliced with the bacteria to withstand being sprayed with Roundup. So like the wheat and you know, a lot of the vegetables and things, their soybeans and corn, you know, they're all sprayed before they're harvested, right? And, and the, the uh, Roundup actually absorbs into the plant. So it's not like it can't be washed off. It's not like you can wash it off. It, the, it oh, actually it smokes. Yeah, because, yeah, it actually absorbs into the plant and it can't be washed off. And then there's the, um, what they call the, and this one's really, really bad too. The um, pesticide producing. The pesticide producing is where they've taken a natural bacteria, Bacillus thuringiensis, I think it's called BT. Yep, to- right. BT. The B- BT toxin. It's a naturally occurring toxin. They use it in organic farming because it it'll wash off, right? And it's and and it's organic, and it, you can use it in small amounts, and it you know it's wonderful. So what they've done though is they've taken this toxin and it is a toxin and they've taken the DNA from that and put it into the DNA of corn and soybean um, are the two primary ones. And what it does is when, a, when an insect eats the corn, an insect eats on the corn, it literally bursts open its stomach, this toxin. Oh, so crap. all. So all of the corn, all the soybean, that's what's happening okay, in our bodies. You know, it's destroying, you know, we're ingesting this toxin. I, I do not eat corn, period. No, no corn at all? No. So do you, a veg- yeah. Corn is a vegetable anyway. Right, right. Um, it's not, I mean, it's not a vegetable, it's a grain. Anyway, so it's not, it has to be properly prepared. You know, so if, if, you know, I may have some grits that are organically grown and I, I have to soak those grits before I'll eat them. But because they are grain, they're not. But I don't. I don't eat corn of any kind, um, not even organic corn. Well, it's probably it. hard to find. I mean, hard to mm-hmm. find real corn anymore. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find organic corn, but it, it just destroys your gut lining. And and yeah, I'm someone who loved going to the Mexican restaurant. Trust me. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, and I think I, I mean, I can make a meal on corn tortillas and I, I, yeah, exactly. I was thinking to myself, I always order corn tortillas because I think uh-huh. they're healthier, but it's probably uh-huh. killing me slowly. Uh huh. Um, I, I love a taco, but yeah. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah, so it's but that's what it does, and you know, and, and and these toxins have been found in you know the um, placenta of pregnant women, so it can cross over, you know, into um, the baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so all these things that between the the glyphosate that we're ingesting and the BT toxins that we're ingesting, it's destroying our gut. It's destroying our gut. It's making us and the, and um, it, it, it's called the prodromal period where your body's already beginning to degenerate. It's already beginning to show, you know, it's it, it's breaking down. And you may and it may be that oh you're tired today, or you know I got a little headache, or whatever it is, and you we push it away. Or, you know, I don't have as much energy as I used to have, or whatever it is, you know, but it wow. takes years. It takes, it's called the prodromal period where it takes years for d- disease to really completely develop. And so by the time, you know, the real symptoms show up, you know, your body's been in the disease process for seven, 10 years. So, yeah, it's, it's like I said, when I started learning all this, I just was like, I can't, I'm not doing it, can't do it. And so, Hippocrates said, all disease begins in the gut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and our gut causes a lot of issues. And with all these things, we have to be very careful of what we're putting in our gut mm-hmm. and shoving down our pie hole. Exactly. I mean, I, it's fixable. You know, we can fix it. We can, but we have to, we have to give it the right things. And, and that's, you know, the second half of the book is hope. The first half is kind of doom. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, we didn't even get but, to toxic overload yet. We haven't really gotten want... to toxic part yet. We can talk about, we'll go ahead and talk about that. Just um, real quick. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. we have, uh, I mean, we have food, which mm-hmm. is, we already discussed water. Mm-hmm. I have a water filter in my house and I measure my water coming out of that. I also measure the water I put into it. And I'm about ready to do a little experiment on Facebook Live with bottled water versus tap water versus the water that's coming out of my filter. Uh-huh. We have air, the air we breathe, which we ha- we're pretty limited to what we can do there. Uh-huh. Uh, cosmetics, uh-huh. plastics, cleaning products. Uh, clothes. You know, when you buy new clothes. Clothes, yeah. 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 I mean, it's anything that touches your skin. So yeah, all the, the beauty care is huge. Hey, personal hygiene products; those are hugely toxic. They're not—they're not regulated. For one thing, right. those industries are not regulated. You know, the the in in Europe, I think there are something like fifteen hundred chemicals that are banned. I think we ban like ten. I don't, it's not very many right. here. It, it's just not regulated, and so they can the, the companies can put anything they want to in their products, and so all these things. You know, by the time a woman walks out of the house in the morning, you know, she's put 200 chemicals on her body um, between shampoo, conditioner, you know, all these other products and lotion and makeup and, uh, you know, all these things that we do every day before right. we, um, it, we've put, you know, our, around 200 chemicals on our body. And our, and our skin, we think of it as a barrier and it is, but it's, it's, it's an organ. Our skin mm. is our largest organ. And so it's the most quick way to absorb anything into your bloodstream. You know, think about patches, right? is to put it onto your skin. And so we just don't, so there, like you said, we can't really control the air so much, but we can control what we put on our skin. We can control what we ingest and put in our bodies. Right. Uh, we can't control what we use to, to, to clean, clean our houses with, you know, we breathe it, we're breathing in all of that stuff. 
we can control those things. But when we're, when our bodies, you know, and, and our bodies are beautifully designed, as you said, you mm-hmm. know, they've just had this innate ability, you know, to, to want to remain in balance and homeostasis. And so it's always detoxifying. It's always trying to detoxify and get rid of all of these things. But we're putting more in than the body can handle. So we're, we've overburdened our bodies. And it, like, it causes all... It's, they're called epigenetics. And it causes all these changes in the genes. You know, right. Genes that were once turned off are now getting turned on. You know, so that trigger, you know, um, they're getting turned on. And, so, and then we pass... And the really sad part is, and the thing that's really, really concerning is that once those genes get turned on or once those genetics change, is that they're getting passed down. You know, if you're having children, they're getting passed down to the next generation. And Dr. Price talked about this. And the one thing he noticed in these, um, in these indigenous peoples was that prior to marriage, the women were isolated kind of, you know, and they were not isolated, but, but they were it was a special time where they received increased nutrition and it was the very concerted effort to raise their nutrition prior to getting married, prior to conception. Sometimes the men, they also did it with the men, but he called it germal blight because in the, the nutrition of the mother um, and the father too is, is important you know, before conception, not while you're pregnant, you know, you need to be healthy before you get pregnant. Um, and so all of these, all of these genes that were once turned off are now being turned on and it's being passed down from one generation to the next. And it just gets worse with each successive generation. And so we, we, you know, there are some things we can't control, but there are a lot of things that we can control. And so we have to, we have to do that. And it, we're just bombarded with it. I actually wrote a blog post about it today. You did? I did. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check it out. It's about heavy metals and other environments. Oh, I did see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to read that because one thing we need, do need to test is heavy metals. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some things that we, we've talked about all the negatives. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's talk about the positives and, and things we can do like dairy. I mean, let's talk about what we can do. I mean, what, what's the happy ending? What, what do we do for ourselves? And what do we, some of the tips, I mean, what are your, some of your tips and tricks and, um, well, you know, there's there's so many. There's a lot. There's there's a lot, but I mean, you know, we, you know, food is important. Nutrition is is vital. I mean, it's critically important, but it's not the only thing. You know, right. we have to detoxify from the heavy metals and the environmental toxins. Um, and by the way, don't try to do that on your own. You really need a practitioner because you've got to prepare your body first right. before you can <laughs> begin to do that, or else you're going to make yourself sick. But stress. You know, and we can't always reduce. We're, our lives are always going to be stressful. We can reframe things sometimes. You know, reframe it about how we perceive our stress, stress perception. You know, so stress management. You know, let's change how we perceive it. And self care is really, really important. You got to make time. You know, to to time for yourself. Lock the door. And do not disturb. Sign on the bathroom and go take a bubble bath. Whatever. Right. You know, um, you've got to take time for self care. Sleep is huge. Sleep is huge. I saw, I think, talking about the pandemic, I saw a post by this uh, physical therapist and who had actually contracted, supposedly, this virus. Um, and he's, he, his whole thing was, well, healthy people can get it too. And you know, I used to only get a few hours of sleep every day. And um, I still rocked my day, even on a few hours of sleep every night. And I'm, and I'm reading it. And I, I, didn't want to, I didn't respond to it, but I was like, you're not healthy. If you're only getting a few hours of sleep every night, your body is in a constant fight or flight mode. 
That is not healthy. (laughs) You know, your body is under constant stress. Um, Sleep is so, so important. Getting into a circadian rhythm Mm. um, and having, you know, sleeping for, you know, seven to nine hours every night, you know, whatever. Yeah, I need to, I want to talk about sleep someday because that's a a good topic. Mm -hmm. It's important. Uh, It's huge. It's huge. And we can't, you know, I mean, I've done it. I know. I've been there. You know, I'm proud of it. It was like a band. I'm going you know, through it right now. I mean, I, I'll be the first one to admit. I, I, I've been struggling with that right now for some some personal reasons that have kept me from sleeping well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. Having a routine around sleep <laughs> yeah. is helpful. Um, getting off of electronics. Um, if you have to be on electronics at night, either use Flux, something like Flux on your laptop or your iPad right. or blue blocker glasses. Those worked wonders for me when I, when my sleep was all crazy and I couldn't sleep at night and I was trying desperately to you know make my body go to sleep. Um, I I wore blue blockers at night and turn the lights down in your house at night. You know, I mean, make it because our bodies are designed to work on a natural right. rhythm. We, we, you know, rise with the sun and go to, and this whole time change thing it screws that up. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, alcohol yeah. is not good to help. I mean, a lot of no. people think they sleep better with alcohol. No. Uh-uh. It's not true. You no, may fall not. asleep. You may pass out. Yeah. yeah. But you don't sleep sound. Mm-hmm. You don't sleep as well. No. Um, so getting your body into create a routine around sleep. Yeah. You know, Let me, mm-hmm. Let's dig into supplementation a bit because that came up in my when uh-huh. I was reading through your toolbox. Right. I mean. I I think supplementation is almost a must in today's society. I've changed the, my my theories. I've a little bit since I wrote the book because I know I write in there that you know supplements and, and but here's the thing: most supplements are garbage. The things well, that yeah, you let's buy, let's cover that. There's a lot of junk on the market. I think supplementation should be temporary while you're trying to restore okay your health. You know, but. Once you you know get your health restored, then you should be in a position where you're wanting and you're seeking out, you know, healthy food. Growing your own, you know, you can grow a lot of food in in a in a little square garden in your backyard. I don't think it should be a long term thing. I, you okay. Know, because and Doctor Ta- um, Natasha Campbell McBride talks about this. Who is that? When we Natasha Campbell McBride. Campbell what? McBride hyphen. She's a neurologist and her son had autism and huh. she cured him of his autism. But she has said, um, and I, the quote's in my book somewhere, and I think the second or third chapter, there is no incurable disease. You know, we have to fix our guts. And that's what her book, you know, The Gaps Diet, if you've ever heard oh, of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, it's not an easy task. No, it's not an easy task. It's not an easy task. And if you go through all of that, then, then but what she, one of the things that she says, I have heard her say is that and, and this is in regards to supplementation. When we ingest food, nutrients, vitamins from food, it goes into our bodies and she kind of describes it as like they're holding hands, you know, together. But when we take this supplement and that supplement, then it's like piecemeal. But when we, but when we consume it in food, then it works in concert. Hmm. It's like it synchronizes Whereas if you're just taking a B vitamin or you're taking some iron, taking whatever, um, it doesn't work the same as when we are consuming those nutrients with food and they go in together holding hands is how she describes it. Hmm. Um, and so I don't, I think supplementation, sometimes we need it for relief care. 
you know, to until we can get our bodies back where they need to be. But I don't think it is something that we should do forever. I think we okay. our, our goal should be to get off of supplementation, you know, to get our bring our bodies back into health, and then we're we're seeking out and we're eating and the things and, and doing all the things that you know to keep our bodies healthy. And we don't we'll no longer need supplementation. That's my personal opinion. I. I'm I'm a big fan of fish oils uh-huh. and coke we, and, Yeah, we we probably need more of those kinds of things simply because we're just not getting them in our diet. Yeah, you know, and yeah. So, but there is a time and place for everything. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's individual. I don't think you can say, "Oh, everyone should take this" or "Everyone should take that." You know, that's why you know, with with my clients, I do testing. I do nutritional testing. I do you know all kinds of other testing. To, right. Yeah, I have. That mm-hmm. available as well, and I think it's it's good. I mean, I do it on myself. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I'm gonna. I just ordered another organic acids test for myself and a stool test. So anyway, yeah, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. Mm-hmm. What are the three strategies or tactics to get and stay well from you? Mm-hmm. Reduce toxins. Okay. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's, that's important, you know, reducing the amount of toxins that you're ingesting, putting on your body, breathing in, whether it's using, switching from plastic to glass. You know, I don't use plastic at all anymore. I use glass for mason jars. <laughs> you know, I have a gazillion of them. I use them for everything, for food storage, all kinds of things, you know, what, whatever that is, you know, but begin to, to, to reduce the toxins in your life that you're ingesting. Source the most nutrient dense food that you can. From your vegetables to your meats, into if you raw dairy, if you can, if you do that, but try to get your food with the most nutritional value um, that you can find, that you can afford, that you can buy. If not, you know, create your own garden with this rich soil, and then follow a natural circadian rhythm to life. Mm, Good point. Yeah, there's more, but those are I think top three. Yeah, my circadian rhythm is way off. I'm going to order a Dutch test too eventually. But yeah, well, uh, you gotta if you're if you're up late at night and well, yeah, uh, do you I have mean, any blue blockers? I mean, they're wonderful. No, I'm going to order a pair. They helped me a lot when I was trying to get my. I was actually had that discussion with Carrie Jones, Dr. Carrie Jones, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. about because that's something that I mean, I've got I've got a filter installed on my screen here. But just I try not to even be on the computer late at night or even on yeah, my phone. It's a I mental thing too, you know, when you get, you start right. reading something and it, you know, we get the the hours between 10 and 12, right. your sleep between 10 and 12, that's the equivalent of four hours after 12. Yep. And so if you stay, you know, if you're staying up till 11, 11, 30, 12 o'clock, it's like you get a second wind and it, right. and it does, you know, your, oh, yeah. your cortisol kicks in and, you know. Believe me, I've lived that the last Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a hard time for everybody. I think we're all struggling a little yeah. bit in one way or another with all this going on. And I've been stressed a little bit and it's just not been a good place, but that's okay. I'll get through it. It's that new moon, it's that moon stuff that... that, that well, it, that's part of but, living the circadian lifestyle too. Yeah, especially <laughs> with women, you know, seed cycling with the moon and, oh yeah, yeah. hormones, yep. Absolutely. Yeah, my hormones have been off. I can tell. I need uh, my testosterone is a little low. I got to get back on hormone replacement therapy. It's always a work in progress. 
It is. No. Yeah. It's never perfect. It's not. Things happen and have setbacks. Mold. Life happens. <laughs> you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, we all. And there's a lot can. of stuff going on in our world right now. Yeah, there is. You no, know, and and luckily we're going into a very good moon period mm-hmm. where it's time to manifest us, manifest some happy happy stuff. Happy stuff, love. So mm-hmm. let me ask. One question I ask all my guests. Okay. And I don't know if you've listened to any of my shows, mm-hmm. but what if you had 40, 35 to 45 minutes to kill, what album or artist would you sit and listen to? Well, that depends. If I needed to relax, I would listen to um, Yanni. <laughs> Yanni. <laughs> yes, okay. I know that's not very yeah, popular, yeah, No, I mean, that's good. I love Yanni. I would, I'll just stick with that. Okay. Uh, but I, you know, if if I were like wanting to like get happy, <laughs> I would probably listen to some good seventies music. Good seventies music, yeah. Chicago. Um, Chicago's good. The Eagles. The Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Always, yeah. There's some good bands. The seventies were a great. Period for music. Right here. Mm-hmm. Grateful Dead. Okay. Uh, Little Feet from mm-hmm. here from uh, the Salt. Anyway, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Thank you yeah. for having me on. I oh, absolutely. It. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. It's you know, it's an interesting subject. Your book is amazing. Just well, simply amazing. So I was much. sitting there reading. I bought it. I bought it because I saw it on your. Well, I listened to Doctor Alan Mesner's podcast with you one day. Well, I think you. We were we we connected on a, a mutual friends uh, group thread thread on Facebook. Right. 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 And then mm-hmm. I read the book and I'm, I'm reading, as I'm reading the book through this COVID period, I'm like, wow, this book is amazing. And mm-hmm. it's so well-written and so well, much you. history. And I think, I mean, I know it was put out in what, 2017? Mm-hmm. So it's been out for a while, but I, I highly suggest the listeners go out and pick the copy up. It's still relevant. So yep. it's, it's on Amazon. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. But I, bless you. Thank you. And much it love was a labor you. of love. Thank you. It was a labor of love, and it's it a was. great book. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Awesome to hear. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.